What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. And I'm Ben. Ben, today's topic is one that you came to me with. And I got to tell you, initially, I didn't think this was all that interesting. And that quickly faded to the uh, faded to the back when, uh, is that the right way to say that? Faded to the back? That, uh, faded to the background. It went, faded to away. The, uh, it went to the wayside. Uh, once I started to really dig into uh, the history of traffic signs, and in particular, uh, like what color they are, what shape they are. Right. The yeah. history of, you know, like when these all started, the standardization of, mm-hmm. uh, it's all very fascinating. I mean, it really is pretty interesting. Yeah, it's strange because traffic signs are one of the things that are ubiquitous in your life, even if you don't drive, right? We so rarely think about the things that we see every day, mm-hmm. right? Like these things are, you know, if you think about it, if you if you want to understand just how how many traffic signs are around you at any given moment. One of the best ways to notice them is just to look up traffic signs from another country because they stick out like a, you know, like a sore thumb uh, where, whereas the ones that you grow up around are just such a natural part of your day-to-day existence that I bet you, if you stopped and thought about it right now, you couldn't name how many traffic signs you passed since you woke up. Oh, that's, you know what I mean? There's no doubt, but you probably, you somehow absorb the information that's on them or the direction that they're giving you. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, um, you don't pay attention to certain signs, but you do pay attention to other signs. And there's a very good reason for that. There's a whole philosophy behind <laughs> all this. And, and if you're tuning out saying, well, I don't really care about the color of traffic signs, the shape of them or anything like right. that. It's all, it's all old stuff. Um, it's really pretty fascinating when you when you start digging into this and, and the history of them. Um, it, it really is interesting. A lot of it, as we talk about this, I find that a lot of it just seems to make good sense after after years of determining, you know, what works, what doesn't work. Right. I think we've got a pretty good standardization process that that's in place right now. Mm-hmm. Although I will say this, I think that with improve, and this is maybe given a little bit away as we get, but right. but I think 
with improved you know materials and the visibility issues and and things like that that we have and I don't know about issues maybe uh, visibility um improving right uh potential right innovations uh, innovations that's maybe a better way to say it with with possible updates like that coming down the road like durability and things like mm-hmm. that i think that the the we're in a position where we could easily have a uh, an upgrade to our current systems either oh, yeah, whether that's uh you know the way that they're that they're created the way that they're built Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what they, the messages that they tell us, mm-hmm. um, it, there's, there's a lot of room for growth, I still think, but, oh, but yeah. we're in a pretty good spot right now. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're in, we're in what will be called the glory days. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's do, a little... I don't know if I go that far, <laughs> Ben, the glory days of traffic signs. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe. okay. Maybe I'm being a little optimistic, <laughs> but let's, let's go through the history just real quick and see how far we've come. Cause, uh, road signs, right. We think of traffic signs now, you know, yield, one way speed limit, minimum speed, things like that. Mm-hmm. But the earliest road signs far predate cars, far oh. predate our civilization. They were just like milestones that gave you uh, the distance to a place, you know? So mm-hmm. like uh, Rome, three um, units this way or something. <laughs> three units, yeah. Yeah, I'm going kind of vague with that. And there were these stone columns throughout the Roman Empire that gave the distance Rome, which is where we get one of those sayings, all roads lead to Rome. Interesting. And uh, the first, like, road signs that we would think of as modern came along with bicycles. Bicycles, no yeah, kidding. Yeah, right toward the uh, end of the 19th century. And that's because they were fast. They were tough to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you needed to know what was going on. And then they uh, also bikers needed to know potential hazards but when the automobile goes mainstream that's when we start seeing the signs that we have now and we're talking about like the late 1800s so like even in 1899 i think yeah um this is maybe the first date that i have for any kind of uh, any kind of official signage happening here in the united states and we'll talk about mostly the united states here so as early as 1899 horseless carriage owners in the new york city area met at the uh, the waldorf astoria and they were had the, well. The purpose was they were going to create this, um, I, I guess, an early automobile club. You know, because the, all these guys have the horseless carriage now, right? So they're going to create this early automobile club, which was going to be the uh, the predecessor for the American Automobile Association or AAA. Right. Yeah. And part of their function was to place and maintain signs on main highways or principal highways going in and out of the city um, of New York City, and. Up until that point, I mean, I guess you had to really think about, you know, what they were made of. They were, they were, you know, made of wood or, you know, sometimes they were just pounded into the, the uh, ground with, you know, someone used probably a rock on a stake and pounded right. it in. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of these signs were in disrepair. They were unreadable. They sure. were oftentimes knocked down. You had no idea where you were going. It was very easy to get lost once you got outside of the city. Right. Once you got to a place that was less densely populated, there are fewer people who are likely to maintain those signs and uh what we see here as a result of this is a lot of work going into i guess the science and psychology of signs Mm -hmm. because what they were finding was that certain signs even when well maintained uh were less likely to be noticed by drivers right and so you're talking about nighttime visibility in particular right Mm -hmm. okay got it so you know Early cars, they had very dim headlamps, and at nighttime, you know, out these dark country roads, right? You know, the woods caving in on all sides. I guess <laughs> you know, are, are, you know, coming in on you. Yeah. Um, it's very, very dark out. Maybe a moonless night or something. You're going to easily miss a sign that's non-reflective. 
that's painted in a color that you just simply can't see at night, um, you know, like whether it's red or black or whatever. Uh, so they're not really worried about contrast or anything like that, you know, to be able to see with the, even this dim light. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the system was very poor at the time, and there really wasn't a system. That's the other thing is yeah. that every little principality, every little – every borough, every state, every uh, city was, was doing things – completely different they all had their own way of doing things yeah there was no standard which can be a huge problem uh, i think one of the best examples of the importance of standardization comes about when you see examples of railroads that use different gauge mm-hmm. trying to meet up and form a terminal it's something that'll come back and bite you so uh in let's see uh 1908 Eight and 1903, like that period of time, we see a lot of work going into standardizing this stuff. And the United Kingdom and the United States have started adopting their own roadside systems, right? This is what you recognize. And not just in the U.S. or the U.K., because these countries had such a large sphere of influence in other countries – you'll see signs that are clearly influenced by the United States in these other nations. Oh, sure. And the standardization, I mean, we can't, you know, emphasize this enough, that this is so critical because as we were talking about earlier on, when we first started this podcast, you're saying you don't really know how many signs you've probably passed today on the way to work or the way to school or whatever. But you do know, you, you kind of subliminally have this idea of what they say and what they tell you to do. Right. Um, and you know which ones to look for, which ones are important, which ones aren't necessarily important for your travel. And and that's all part of the standardization. And the colors that have been chosen for the signs is critical as well. So it's the colors, the shapes, uh, mm. the message themselves that they that they put on the signs. Right. And all that stuff has changed over the decades, over the uh, over the century, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, because now we're getting to the point where it's it's well over 100 years that we've been doing this. Yeah. Uh, with some of these signs, but they have evolved along the way. So maybe we should just go through the different color signs, yeah, yeah. what they signify, what they tell us, and um, you know maybe just a, a little bit of interesting stuff along the way here and there. Because uh, we'll even we'll even get to traffic lights, and there's a really fascinating example of a traffic light here that we need to get to. Yeah, the uh, a lot of this information is going to come to you from the U.S. Manual on Uniform Traffic Control Devices which is a thing <laughs> and uh, it's a long name. It's thing. a, it's a long name, but they were working on a lot of other stuff too. I'm sure they didn't have too much time to spend on the name. <laughs> uh, but one thing that's great here is that you can find a list of the method behind the madness on road sign colors. Cause there are quite a few like black is a regulation, right? Or, oh yeah. Or blue is a, is a road user service guidance. So that would be like, scenic route yeah yeah exactly so you want us to kind of step through the different colors yeah all yeah. right well let's start with red oh, all right okay, so yeah. so red uh this is the most critical or crucial information mm-hmm. on the road and if you think about it and you know, that's the stop sign the yield signs mm-hmm. the no parking signs wrong way do not enter do not enter signs like that um these are signs that were standardized back in uh, the 1920s but um th- there's an interesting side note to the whole stop sign thing that we'll get to i promise when we talk about colors but um red signs are, are right now typically meant for, um, you know, like a warning or something, you know, do not do something or right. telling they're you to pro- do something. They're prohibitive or um, they're a uh, advisory command. Yeah, yeah, it's a command is maybe the best way to put it. That's right. Um, and uh, let's see, let's move on to orange and yellow. Uh-huh. Uh, these are also warm colors, I guess, and it's funny to talk about them like this, but the warm colors are meant to inform motorists of temporary and permanent hazards. So 
a permanent hazard. This is kind of a, a strange way to think about this. Mm-hmm. A permanent hazard would be like a school zone or um, maybe, you know, like a, a pedestrian crossing. Right. Or, or possibility of a rock slide. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, curves ahead. You know, that kind yeah, of sign yeah, you know, yeah. with, the, with the angle or deer um, crossing. Yeah. Deer crossing is a good one or four way intersection signs or dead end signs, things like that. That's a, that's a permanent hazard ahead. Yeah. A temporary hazard, um, like an orange sign. Road work. Yeah. Road work. It's always road work, but that's only since 1964. Prior mm-hmm. to 1964, there were no orange road signs used because um, it was, it had poor visibility at night, you know, so there's no real great contrast there that, uh, right. that would stand out if, you know, if you use black letters on, on orange. And, uh, because of a, uh, an advancement in reflective aluminum is what brought about the orange possibility, I guess, to, uh, to road signs. And we've always used that for road work or temporary hazards mm-hmm. from that point forward. Um, moving on to, uh, green, blue, and brown signs. These are the cool and neutral color signs. Right. Um, this is less crucial information. And when you think about it, um, it's stuff that's intended to not distract the driver. It's something that, that doesn't call the driver into immediate action. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, wait, you know what? Let me amend my earlier statement. Uh, I misinformed us accidentally. I had my colors switched up. Uh, brown would be, in this case, scenic route or, or uh, you know, this is a scenic view. Uh, blue would be something like 
the uh, rest stop. Okay, so brown is like outdoor recreation or, sure, or yeah. points of interest, things mm-hmm. like that, right? Blue, yeah, you said rest stops. Oh, restaurants, that's another one. You know that, you know, when you're oh, on the yeah. highway and, and think, here's the way I was thinking about this. This is, this is the simplest way to, to, to understand all this, I think. If you're, if you've been on the road a lot, you know, if you're, uh, someone who takes road trips or whatever, you know that when you're, when you're on the road, you know to look for those bright blue background signs that have, you know, all the little, uh, I guess it would be squares where they advertise restaurants or they advertise, yeah. uh, for, you know, the fuel stops, what stops are going to be there. And you know then when you're driving that if you don't see a blue sign, as soon as you see a blue sign, rather, mm-hmm. that's when you look to determine which exit you're going to take in order to fuel up or right. to, uh, to stop for gas or to uh, you know spend the night somewhere maybe if you have to, an overnight trip. Um, the green signs are intended for you know things like exit or um, you know directional signs. I guess sure, it's always the yeah. background color for the signs that hang above the highway. That and tell you this lane, 285, things like exactly that. Exactly right. And you get so conditioned to the idea that you're looking for those great, big, giant, you know, billboard-sized green signs mm-hmm. that it becomes second nature that when you're driving, if you're looking for a road ahead, you know you're going to have to switch, you know, switch roads, you're going to have to take an exit or whatever. Mm-hmm. You see that green sign, you know just instantly that color. That's, that's one that you need to pay attention to right now. But if you're not doing that, you don't even pay attention to it. You don't look at the exit signs. You don't look at, you know, the uh, the big signs on the highway if you don't necessarily care about where you're headed at that moment. You know you're going to be on that main road for a long time. Yeah. You just don't even bother with it. And that's what's nice about this is that it kind of gives you that freedom to to pick and choose what you pay attention to. Yeah, it's so it's so intuitive. And when you think about it just from a design perspective, uh, there's – there's a lot of design, right? The, the consideration and philosophy that goes into what makes a traffic sign most effective, but there's a lot of uh, social design too, or uh, social engineering mm-hmm. to raise us all to understand these these rules of the road. Uh, one thing that I think has been really well done is to make these things helpful, but not distracting. Yes. You know, and uh, that that's something that, I'm still impressed with, although I will tell you, Scott, uh, for a long time, it, it used to be a pet peeve of mine that I thought I thought road signs were really negative. You know, uh, where were all the nice ones? It was all do not enter. <laughs> stop. Yeah. Don't yeah, go yeah. this fast. Why couldn't there? I used to ask myself, why couldn't there just be a road sign that said, great job? Is this part of your stand up routine? You know, it was. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you could, it could work. Well, uh, it'd have to be funny, but the pieces are there. <laughs> the, but so I, I started looking at some of the language of road signs, right? Sure. Like, uh, we, we don't see any really long sentences. Uh, if we see a word, it's not going to be more than maybe four words. Yeah. And that's a, that's a good point. And that's kind of like the, the billboard idea too, right? I mean, the yeah. simpler, the better, the big, bold text, the better, the better off you are. I mean, there's a, there's a whole philosophy behind that as well. And that's exactly what's at play with these signs is that, you know, when you see a, a railroad crossing sign that's, that's crossed, you know, you don't, you don't even have to really read it. You know what that is. You know that that sign means railroad crossing yeah. and, and typically you're headed towards a, a crossing you could see anyways. But the speed limit signs. I mean, those things are, are laid out so that really you don't even read speed limit. You just look just at the, nu- the number. You just see the number that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all kinds of signs like this, like the, the keep right sign. And we're talking about black and white signs at this point. Um, these are the ones that that are intended for clarity. They're intended for just immediate grabbing of information that, you know, you don't have to really concentrate on the sign, but you know what it says. Right. And, and these will often have arrows and, um, you know, uh, 
big bold depictions of you know maybe a median in the road so that you know you know to keep right ahead that you don't you know um you don't accidentally end up in the left hand lane um mm. stuff like that just really really simple but they indicate upcoming potential hazards and um there's also a variation to this you know these black and white signs mm. there's also the signs that are a black sign with white font on top of it or white text on top of it. yeah yeah those are for things like um and i i've i don't know if i've ever seen this ben a nighttime speed limit sign. You ever seen nighttime speed limit signs? I have not. They I are, don't obey the speed limit after dark. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Apparently, they're a black field with uh, with white font on top of them to increase visibility. Yeah, exactly right. And there's also um, think about one way signs. Those are the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, I think there are also trucking regulatory signs. You know, like uh, signs that tell trucks that you know all commercial vehicles have to go this way. Things like that. Yeah. Um, so so. These are the signs that, again, clarity is the primary focus. They're, they're advisory signs. They, they tell you of important information, but super fast. You're able to grasp it quickly without, almost without even really, really concentrating on it, without really thinking about it. You get the information. And that's the way most signs work. Yeah. And once people get used to that kind of thing, become accustomed to it, it's very difficult to change. Now, one thing that people who are not from the United States probably notice when they watch a show from the U.S. or when they visit here is that our signs are radically different from most of the other places you'd be hanging out. And that's because there's a little bit of international intrigue here. Hmm. The United States has not signed that because, you know, as soon as somebody can make a bureaucracy, there'll be another group ready to to make some more paperwork uh there's a thing called the vienna convention on road signs and signals right uh sounds like it comes from the united nations and you're right it does uh it's also called the just the convention on road signs and signals and this is they've got a good aim they want to increase road safety aid international traffic by making all of the signs follow the same rules i don't like it you don't like it? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't I haven't really investigated, but uh, right. but off the bat I don't like it. Okay. Just that's that's how I, I like to do stuff too, is I, I like <laughs> just go for an opinion. You know what right. I mean? And stick with it. So uh this this revised actually another treaty that was uh nineteen forty nine Geneva Protocol. And you know, a lot of this stuff or originates in Europe where you can wake up one day and drive across three or more countries, mm-hmm. you know, so you need to have a little bit of familiarity. Uh, the United States, however, instead, uh, we have the Federal Highway Administration, right? And uh, the and then the DOT, uh, they specify traffic signs, road service markings, signals, and they do this through this document, uh, the Manual on Uniform Traffic Control Devices. Yeah, and you can look that up. That's that's if you just search the acronym, you're able to find that because it's a .org. Yeah, and uh, it's it's a little more complicated the website than that. But if you just search the uh, the keywords there, you'll be able to find it. Right, and uh, this I'm I'm going to be honest with you guys. It's not the most thrilling read. No, it's not. But, I mean, you can dig some stuff out of there and then further investigate like we've done with a little bit of this. But um, maybe, you know what, maybe hmm. we should talk a little bit more about some uh, some of the history because yeah. um, here's where some of the, uh, the interesting twists come in. And this is maybe not surprising to a lot of people, but uh, stop signs weren't always red. Not always. What color were they? They were yellow at one point. Yellow with, with black writing. And believe it or not, that was the standard color. Back in the 1920s, that was the the standardized form of the stop sign in the 1920s. 
And that makes sense because, as we said, yellow is the is the color for permanent hazards, mm-hmm. right? Sure, yeah. Now, but they weren't always yellow either. The first stop sign, which came about in what 1915 in Detroit, yeah, was actually black letters on a white background, so it's dramatically different. Mm-hmm. And then there were lots of other colors that were used everywhere else, you know, because people said, "Well, we do need a stop sign," right? But there's no standardization of the color, so you could travel from county to county, city to city, mm-hmm. and all stop signs would be different shapes, different colors, um, different types of lettering, you know, different uh, uh, treatments to them, you know, whether they had reflectors on them or not. Um, it wasn't until the 1920s that they standardized the color uh, to yellow with black letters, but not the shape. The shape was also, I mean, you could still find stop signs that were an unusual shape. Yeah, like point. a square yeah. or just a circle. And well, the reason was, and this is pretty interesting too, I think, this is kind of one of the little side notes here, is that for a long time, they they kept signs square or rectangle because it was cheaper to make them that way. Mm-hmm. And the material, the the machine that created the signs had a maximum width of, I think, of about two feet. Yeah. And they decided that's it. We're limited to two feet wide, so the biggest signs could be two feet wide. Uh-huh. And uh, they're going to be non-reflective aluminum because they didn't have it at the time. They're going to be stamped out. They're going to be square or, you know, I guess diamond shape if you turn one sideways. Right. But, right. Um, but they're all going to have the shape. So think about a, a stop sign that's an octagon shape. Uh, that one has a lot of wasted material when you cut away everything else. You know, there's a lot of material that uh, just doesn't make it through. You know, you have to trim off the extra. Right. And it's a very cost ineffective way to make signs. Yeah. Because if you're trimming away extra material and just throwing that stuff away. And the same thing with uh, the, the diamond shape. Uh, well, I guess not diamond shape, but the triangle shape. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of the yield signs. So a similar thing, you know, but they but they decided that eventually they decided that, you know, it's important to keep those that shape because people recognize that shape. And because we don't have reflective materials and because red is so hard to read at night, um, which is, well, that's another angle. I'm, I'm jumping yeah. ahead, but because they're hard to read at night because they don't reflect anything, we need to rely on the shape of them to tell the motorists what to do. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. 
We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And the whole red thing. Right. That's another story, right, Ben? Yeah, yeah. In uh, 1954. See, the the thing that held this back was was a material science problem with Mm -hmm. the red sign. And that changed in 1954 when the uh, people making these signs, manufacturers, were able to use a durable, fade-resistant red coating. So uh, that that allowed for a higher visibility and that, you know, that continues today as we see the materials evolving. Yeah. That's still not the reflective aluminum that we're talking about right, from the mid 1960s. Yeah. I think that was in the like 1964, I believe uh-huh. when that came about. Yeah. So it was just a, a, a better system that allowed them to use red because where prior, it would just be like, look like a, a blank sign at night. And there's another thing here that that's pretty important to note. If a stop sign looks like all the other permanent hazard yellow signs, Mm -hmm. then people are less likely to see it and immediately stop, Mm -hmm. which is why that sign uh, in the United States is is so unique because it's uh, there's there's not really another group of octagonal signs used for anything. No, and it's the color as well. I mean, the color alerts you that something is up. There's. A dramatic warning here, and the same thing with the yield sign. Uh, the yield sign was yellow at one point. It was uh, it was yellow with black writing, and uh, to maximize visibility, they finally decided to switch it over to you know that thick red border with uh, with red text and you know the, the white background, I guess. Yeah. Um, but again, for visibility and reflective aluminum helps all these tremendously because you're able to see them at night. But you know the shape, uh, the shape does indicate to you what what the sign says, anyways, even if you can't read it. The other thing is that um, no parking signs used to be round and yellow with black text on them. And the round shape was another one that was a, a, you know, again, cost ineffective because a lot of that trimmed away material was just wasted. It was was lost. So they went to making them uh, rectangle shape. And again, you know, white background with red, red font on them um, and reflective aluminum. So all this all this plays in. I mean, it, it all feeds into each other to make a better system. Yeah, which is hopefully where we're at now. Yeah, hopefully. And uh, it is true that there's still a variation state by state, depending on what kind of sign you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, We all know that some of the big, super popular national signs like the stop sign, the speed limit sign, stuff like that. But then there are also signs for, you know, pedestrian crossings, which might be different state to state. And uh, you might find yourself living in a state that has its own unique signs. Cause this is one of those things where when we started looking at it, we saw that there was this rabbit hole that just goes on. There's a history behind the signs, you know, the stop sign itself. We could have just done a podcast on that with all the the weird stuff that happened there. Uh, But there's one other 
fascinating piece of traffic direction that we have not talked about yet. Yeah, traffic control device that most of us are familiar with, the, the, the traffic lamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Traffic light. Stoplight. Stoplight, whatever That's you want to call street it. street name, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> it's an awkward way to say it, I guess. But uh, you, know, you may not think about this. And I, I just want to quickly mention this, I guess, yeah. before we wrap up. But um, you wonder why red is on top. Why is red on top of a, of a, of a traffic lamp? Yeah, because it's green on the bottom, yeah. yellow in the middle, red at the top. Well, it's for inc- this is this is the actual official description for why the, why it's that way. Um, it's for increased visibility because if a vehicle is cresting a hill, the red light would come into view first, alerting the driver that they have to stop. Oh, makes sense, I guess. If smart. you don't see it yeah. lit, you assume that it's it's green. It could go yellow, I guess, but um, you know, you're assuming that it's green. And there, you know, of course, there are some places where the stoplights are horizontal, right? Yeah. Uh, but there's also, I think, there is a town that has an upside down spotlight. This is so strange, right? I mean, this this stoplight is is completely reversed of the one that we're accustomed to seeing here in the United right. States. And this is this happened um, a long time ago. This standard lights were standardized. In 1925, the traffic mm-hmm. lamps were. So 1925 is when uh, they decided that all of them are going to have, you know, red on top, yellow in the middle, and green on the bottom. And there's a story behind all that as well, uh, you know, with the yellow light and where that happened. But um, there is one town in New York, right? It's uh, Tipperary Hill. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is kind of funny. I'm just going to read this. It says, one, one primarily Irish populated town in an upstate New York <laughs> called Tipperary Hill objected to the placement of British red over Irish green, and local Irish immigrant youths would throw stones um, at the town's red light atop the first traffic signal that the town had. And it became such a prevalent issue that the town released a green over red traffic light in place of the traditional standardized version, which still remains in operation today. So right now, you can go to Tipperary Hill in New York, and see this uh, this green over red stoplight, and I've seen a lot of people online that take photos with this. A lot of Irish, um, Irish Americans, I guess, yeah, or, yeah. or people visiting from Ireland, uh-huh. and they take a photo, you know, with the uh, the green light behind them. It's kind of funny. I mean, it's a it's a funny thing to do. And uh, if you have visited that area, we love to see your photo from it. Uh, but there's other stuff we can talk about that we might want to save for different podcasts, like. I guess so. I, I mean, the, the last one little quick thing yeah. that I want to say about this, and it it's kind of ties in with the signs, and I think what I need to mention it right now is that if you think about it, the colors of the of the of the stoplight match the the sign methodology that we use here in the United States. Ah, uh, yes. That's, and that's the red, you know, on top, which which means immediate action or stop. Right. Uh, the yellow is caution, which is the same with signs. Yeah. And green typically means uninterrupted travel. I mean, you 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 know, for the exit signs or directional yeah. signs or whatever. So. Even the the colors of the stoplight match the, the the methodology that we have for the the coloring of the signs, and and there's a lot of um, a lot of planning and a lot of thought that goes into that mm-hmm. whole process. It's all connected, man. It is. Uh, but let's let's end on a question. What are some of the weird or most unique signs in your neck of the woods? Uh, let us know. We'd love to see them because I I don't know about you, Scott, but have you ever been uh, around somebody who collects a bunch of old signs? Yes. I, I love that. I think, I think, uh, enough time has passed now that I can confess to, uh, stealing a sign when I was a kid. Oh no. I didn't, I, you know, it's weird how naive you can be. I didn't know that it didn't occur to me that that would be illegal Mm -hmm. and boy, I get in trouble. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. But, uh, but the sign was ultimately 
I think returned. It was taken away from me. Uh, <laughs> so but, it's, it's back uh, in its rightful place. So I love I love seeing those signs, and I'd love to do. Um, we could do a podcast just on the traffic light itself. Like, how do they coordinate? And is there a citywide system? You know, we've talked about that in the past. That we would do, uh, you know, the cycles of the lights because some of them have so many different cycles per intersection, and yeah. oh, the the main computer that controls uh, thousands of intersections in a right. city. Yeah, that's pretty fascinating too. So. Uh, there's a there's a lot to talk about for, for traffic control and and traffic lights in particular. So I think traffic light evolution is a good one. Yeah, um, that's good one. traffic light control. I mean, uh, there's just so much there. Mm-hmm. And let us know what you think about this. And uh, if you have another topic in your, in your city, guys, I have the topic that you should definitely cover. Why haven't you covered it yet? We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can send us an email directly. We are carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.